Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. You're very welcome to another episode of the Scaling Your Business podcast. For this episode, delighted to be joined by Mark O'Dwyer, the owner of Big Red Cloud. Mark, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you, Ryan. Mark, I'm delighted to have you on the show. Typical fashion of the show, we focus on three main areas, early influences, challenges, pivotal moments. No different with you. I can tell from my research that you went to St. Michael's College uh, for secondary school. That's correct. So I'm going to assume that you grew up around that area. Can you tell me what life was like growing up in Dublin? When you grew up, any hobbies or stand-up memories? Um, any stand-up? Well, I was, we were from a middle-class family, so uh, my parents worked pretty hard to send myself and my brother to St. Michael's um, and my sisters to private school as well. So we weren't particularly wealthy, so we got thrown into St. Michael's with a couple of uh, well-heeled people. Uh, so it was quite a mix in the class, and uh, I got on with pretty much everybody because I was pretty good at rugby. And uh, so it, w- it was interesting. I mean, it was interesting times. We grew up very close to, to RTE, um, so in those days, would have experienced a lot of uh, um, marches around RT. You know, they, they obviously they were in town, but they march out to RT on re- regular uh, occasions. Uh, you mentioned rugby. You, that helped you get along with everyone. I know you've touched on in previous interviews, but yourself and your dad actually ended up playing for Leinster. So my question here is around impact and influence. I usually ask guests, and they can pull a small number of people that have had a massive impact on their early years. So I think early Mark that helped Mark become the person he is today? Close friends, acquaintances, teachers, parents. Does anyone spring to mind for you? Well, on the sporting side, Rian, it'll be uh, a, a man called uh, Father Little. He was Holy Ghost Father. Um, he would have picked me in, in the position I, I was in and trained me in the very, very earlier years. And I'm talking about I started playing rugby when I was seven. So very, very early on. And then uh, over the years, we... the the team would have, the school would have brought in um, some very uh, influential uh, people um, that would have played rugby for Ireland and uh, they would have helped on the way. And uh, then we had a really good uh, rugby coach called Noel Turley, who's synonymous with rugby. Um, and he was pretty influential um, in my life as well. Obviously, my dad was influential having played for Leinster. I aspired to play uh, at that level as well. Um, I would have seen him you know, in his latter years of rugby, being injured with a couple of broken ribs and things like that, because I'm the youngest in the family, Rian. So dad would have been kind of maybe played one or two years uh, mm-hmm. in the in the, in my uh, informative years, I would remember. That's pretty cool, though. That that, that, that must be really uh, special to, to see your dad line out for Leinster. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, I was too young to see him line out for Leinster. I said it was in the, the latter years that I, but just the uh, the newspaper clippings and uh, he played yeah. rugby in 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 Bechtel Rangers and Donnybrook, which I played. So my my grandfather was president of Bechtel, my father was president of Bechtel, so it was a natural thing that myself and my brother would progress to play in Bechtel then as well. So um, it, it you know it's, it's rugby's in the blood. My mum met my dad. In Bechtel Rangers, that's where they met. Dad is from Cairn, County Tipperary. So he was kicked up to the big smoke when he was 17 and happened to land in digs in, in Donnybrook and ended up playing rugby in Bechtel. Uh, but he's a very talented man. He played uh, for Shamrock Rovers football. He also boxed as well. Wow. Um, so he was an all-rounder, really. And um, I guess he instilled a lot of those values in myself and my brother. So I was asked a question the other day by a guy. He was trying to give me an analogy. And he said, look, tell me what sport you played. And I said, it'd be easier to tell you what sport I didn't play. So that's just the kind of individual I am. So I, I'll, I'll take, I'll try my hand at anything. 
So I tried wakeboarding there a couple of weeks ago, which was uh, wake surfing actually, which was pretty cool. And uh, off the back of boat was pretty, pretty, pretty nifty. Amazing. I, I know you've completed, I'm sure you may have added a few more to it, but either four or six Ironmans, depending on which article you read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've done six, uh, but I've entered seven. Uh, the seventh was the last one, which was in 2019 in Frankfurt. It was 40 degree heat. I brought my family, my wife and my four daughters over with me. And uh, I just overheated on the on the bike green and I had to stop after 100 kilometers. And the girls were there with the tricolors waving me on. So, no, you don't need to stop, Dad. Keep going. And I said, no, 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 I'm stopping because yeah. they thought that I would kill myself doing these sports. And I always promised them that I, you know, I did have the sense. Uh, to stop if I knew it was going to be too much and that was kind of it was a difficult decision for somebody like me with the kind of uh, type a personality that I have to actually stop and and have a DNF which is the do not finish and um, but it was the right decision to make at the time for my body and for my family and uh, so so I have entered seven but I've completed six full Ironman yep completely even one is remarkable Mark um, thank you and there's a question I have around completing Ironmans I know there's multiple articles online with the parallels of completing an Ironman and running a business. And I don't need to tell you the things like, you know, comparison of lonely times and multiple challenges and successes an individual journey, but also team effort as well. Um, so for you having completed those six, um, what is it that you get out of, out of doing them? Okay. So to do an Ironman and you've got to be extremely fit. There's a lot of training that goes in and I find by being extremely fit, I'm on my game all the time. So I'm very sharp in my office, in my company, when dealing with customers, dealing with suppliers. And I just find that gives me the extra edge. So uh, people say, like, why do you do Ironman? I enjoy the training side of it. Uh, the competing side is, I mean, it's an insane race for the distance that you do. Um, but when you push yourself in sport to extremes over the years, you're always looking for the next challenge. So Ironman was my next challenge. And in terms of the business, it does keep me sharp. It helps me when I'm out on the bike uh, for long training runs to come up with unique marketing ideas, which sometimes um, kind of the staff that have to implement them kind of go mad. Um, but it's pretty, it clears your mind. You know, I, I find it clears your mind. And if you're clear mind, you're very fit, you're very sharp, you will undoubtedly make better decisions in your business. I mean, look, you know, and your listeners know, business is no joke. It's not easy. It's as hard as doing an Ironman. There's ups, there's downs. I've been in the ring with, with what I call Mike Tyson for several times, and, I, and I've been knocked out and, and knocked down, and you just have to dust yourself down and get up. But I find that if the fitter you are, the easier it is to take those knocks and, uh, and then try and just get on with it. I love it. Before we move on to this next section, um, you'll do a much better job at telling the audience what your business big red cloud is then i will so the mic is yours mark oh thanks so just to go back to one of your earlier questions about an influencer i had a very good accounting teacher in school who mm -hmm. some some way sublimely you know put uh, accounting into my head so uh, fast forward my sales career i set up a business selling accounting software because i had worked with an accounting software supplier and uh, i got introduced to the owners of uh, the big red book 
uh, in 2000 and it is a very simple and easy to use accounting product that was built around the uh, theory of the big red ledger that's where the name came from so listeners mightn't have seen one then but it's literally a red book that has columns and rows very look very much like an excel spreadsheet so in each column you'd write maybe the date the next one would be the uh, description of who you're selling to the next would be the amount and then you have 30 analysis columns so the, the original developers developed this product um, to give a simple look and feel a very spreadsheet-esque in its look and feel that customers would be very familiar with her from the very start. So I took that over in 2000, they were losing money and they had three and a half thousand customers. And within six weeks, I turned around to be profitable and I bought them out two years later. So then fast forward to 2010, we went to an Enterprise Ireland seminar uh, to move your product or service to the cloud. Early doors for cloud back then, I mean, obviously, Everybody knows what it is now, but if you can put your mind back then, it, it really wasn't uh, it wasn't well known. And accountants certainly would have been very nervous about it because of security. What do you mean you're holding my data somewhere else? It's not going to be in my, my own machine. So it was a big risk, Rian. We had sold another business and I basically took that money and I threw it on the red, the red uh, number on the red wheel, which is Big Red Cloud. And uh, I risked it and we invested heavily in developing Big Red Cloud. So it's a simple online easy to use accounting software that uses all the latest technology to make life so much easier for a small business owner in terms of automation. So we've brought in AI and machine learning. So you can import purchase invoices automatically now. You can link automatically with the uh, pillar banks in Ireland. So AIB, Bank of Ireland, Ulster Bank, so be, so may, so be, you know, I mean, they're not around, going to be around, but uh, Revolut, yeah. uh, N25. So all the good ones. So what that means is this bringing in all your transactions, your payments and receipts from your bank into your big red cloud so you don't have to manually input them any longer. So it's cutting down errors. It's cutting down uh, mundane tasks that people don't like doing and it's speeding things up for you. And, and keeping it simple at the same time is yeah, that's, one of the core that's messages. A, well, yeah, like Rian, we've, we've invested heavily in the back end to make it really simple on the front end. So I don't want anybody to fool that because we keep saying it's a simple product. It's not for every company. It is for every company. We've just made the functionality on the front end simple, but the technology and the money, we've invested over 4 million developing this product. So we've put a huge amount of effort into making the back end very, very complicated and slick to do all the accounting uh, calculations that are required, produce the VAT returns, link up with your banks, have your VAT return for the for the revenue, do your bank reconciliation, and produce a pre- trading profit loss and balance sheet, and we give it free to your accountant as well, so they can help you out. So don't don't by any means think that when I say simple and easy to use accounting, that the product's simple. It's it's simple for your use, and yeah. that's that's see business owners that don't know accounting and bookkeeping, and do know their product or service can get on doing what they're good at, and our product will help them get a proper set of accounts at the end of the day and know if they're making a profit or loss and know what cash they have in the bank or what money they owe to their suppliers. I'll mention this again before we finish, but links to both your LinkedIn page and your company website will be in the description field where you're listening to this if anyone wants to learn more. Um, remarkable what you've done. You're almost in, I don't know, the year, two years, three years, going to be celebrating 30 years in business. So it's evidence that you've been successful at what you've done. Like not many businesses get to... 15 years, never mind double that. So congrats on that, Mark. Um, yeah, well, I've been through, I think, three or four recessions at this stage. And obviously COVID was like a, a nightmare for everybody. But yeah, whatever way, I've been able to manage the, the wagon through it all. Uh, great team, Rian. 
And I know that's yeah. a cliche. Everybody probably says that to you. But, you know, I have only been successful because of the people that are around me. And that goes to my wife and my four daughters in terms of socially and supporting me to the likes of my COO, Catherine Lockhart, and my business partner, Porrick Nolan, who's a chartered accountant. And he's also a techie guru. So he wrote Big Red Cloud. Everybody thinks I'm an accountant, Rian, but I'm not. I'm a marketeer and a salesman. That's what I am. I just liked accounting and, and that's how I got into accounting software. Well, marketing is what you studied at, at college, correct? Correct. Yeah, I was in yeah. DIT, which is called TUD now, Technological yeah. University Dublin. And I did a market, a retail marketing certificate. And then I went on at night to do a marketing graduateship in the MMI, Marketing Institute of Ireland. Nice. I did marketing at DIT too. Um, and you, you mentioned team, which is something I want to focus on there. Um, because I was speaking with a friend recently who's got promoted into a management position. If you see my eyes wonder, I've just taken some notes here. Um, and he's finding the team he took over to be a bit of a challenge because he's been left with some duds who aren't necessarily skilled in the area of enterprise selling. They're probably best suited elsewhere. Uh, he noticed one thing, having managed the team for a couple of weeks, and that was they were suffering from, and I use the word suffering lightly, learned helplessness, which is where they come to him, tell him the problem, and the previous manager just told them exactly how to do it, and he didn't let them go and figure it out themselves. So what he does is he says, if I wasn't here, what would you do? go do that for 30, 40 minutes and come back to me. And he's making them, you know, improve themselves. So for you, when you look back at your early days of managing teams, um, what's one or two things that you can look back and say, I wasn't great at then, but now fast forward, you can say, I've improved on that remarkably compared to what it was. And that has had an impact, a positive impact on revenue of the business. Hey, well, the first thing I did, I went, not the first thing, one of the things I did, I went to a, a seminar by a guy called Jack Black, and it's not the guy who was in um, the School of Rock. Uh, Jack Black is a Scottish guy who does this mind store program, and he had a thing called um, the uh, like the pyramid. Okay, so generally, um, you hire hierarchical pyramid. At the top is the managing director, and then the managers and the staff, and all the way down. So what you do, in, and what I did in my company, is they flip that. So you give the decision making ability to the people either in reception are speaking directly to the customers. Uh, like an analogy, if you go to a supermarket, Rian, and you buy, uh, you're buying your groceries, you're paying for them, and you notice that the uh, bag of tomatoes is rotten, that the supermarket owner or manager should give the uh, autonomy to the person that's at the checkout to say, oh, I'm very, very sorry, Mr. Lennigan, I will uh, get them replaced straight away, as opposed to having to hit a button to ask a manager to ask what to do. They're making a decisive decision there and then, and you as a customer saying, wow, that's phenomenal. And then they don't charge you for the tomatoes because it was their mistake. So that kind of thing, if you do that in your company, it really uh, gives a lot of confidence to your staff to make decisions. They can always be uh, be fixed. And where I learned that, you asked me where you learn your mistakes from. I worked as a farm assistant with my brother, who was a, a farm manager back in the day. And um, we were topping a field, which is literally cutting the, the top of the weeds off a field. And we were on, on, a, on a field away from the, where the tractors were kept. And I was with the assistant manager. My brother was maybe there to collect us to drive the tractor that I was driving because I was only 16. So I didn't have a license at the time up the road to where the tractors were kept. And he didn't arrive in time. So the assistant manager said, look, you know, it's, it's only 100 meters of the road you can drive. So I drove. But if you can imagine, I was in a tractor, which is pretty big. And then I had a topper, which is another four foot wider than the tractor. I mean, a country lane. And this guy came flying around the corner, a Toyota Corolla, and ripped the back of his uh, back wing off the, off the, the topper. So uh, the owner of the farm came along paid your man cash because your man obviously realized I had no license. And he says, I'm, I'm insured for little feckers like you. So I realized that you can always fix a mistake. 
So give the yeah. autonomy to people and don't be a control freak. So your friends, um, your friends, original boss or the original manager uh, was a control freak and doing everything for everybody. And that doesn't help the company and it doesn't help those individuals to grow and learn. What your friend is doing is exactly the way to turn that business around. Give them the go away and think and how you how you do it. And it starts getting them thinking, which is really, yeah. really good. Yeah. And touching on that topic, uh, your company has, and this might be an outdated statistic, but a 94% retention rate, which is remarkable. And based on what you just said, and there's a recent LinkedIn post where you talked about the big red cloud being one of the few accounting software providers that still offers telephone supports. What do you think is something that contributes to that 94 retention rate? I'm assuming the customer support helps and what you've just said there, where flipping the org chart also helps, but is there anything else that you think contributes to that insanely good 94% retention rate? Yeah. So it's, it's a combination of things. It's not just any one, uh, uh, piece of the of the jigsaw so starting with what i mentioned earlier on is simple and easy to use software now you know we say it's simple and easy to use but what we do is we actually give free training with the software included in the price so we're training people you you say mark why are you giving free training i give them free training because if i can train the customers to use the product we're going to get less calls and support okay so then we train our support staff to be extremely good and they are they will bend over backwards for our customers. They will answer, I've probably said this before in previous podcasts, they will answer Mary Murphy in Ballincollig in County Cork, the same answer, same question every Monday, four Mondays a month, 12 months of the year. And I'm saying, guys, you know, send her to the frequently asked questions, send her to the video that shows her how to do that. And they're saying, no, Mark, this is how you get the reputation for your company. And they're right. So we will bend over backwards for our customers from customer support, but we train them, we give them free training at the start, and it's a combination of having really easy software, free training, and unparalleled customer support. And it's that kind of mix that gives us the retention rate that we have. Fascinating. Um, hiring is a topic I'd like to spend a couple of minutes on. And then after that, three, four more questions. So there's an article I reference all the time from Harvard Business Review. And they say that the cost of a bad hire can be five times that person's annual salary in missed opportunities, dependent on the role, obviously. So when it comes to hiring, um, how do you ensure that you can reduce the risk of a bad hire? Have you got a process? Is like What does it look like when Mark goes out and, and uh, announces a new role? Okay, so we would like to think we've, we're, we now have a process, Rian, okay? But yeah. please don't get me wrong. I don't want your listeners to get me wrong. We have had major muck-ups, major <laughs> muck-ups, now believe me. So um, the process is, I used to take people very much at face value, Rian. And I'm, like, I'm, I'm very accepting, maybe call me gullible, I don't know. But if somebody tells me something or they put it on their CV, I believe them which is really stupid, you think, for somebody who's been nearly 30 years in business. But anyway, so how have I addressed that? I have addressed that by making sure that uh, Catherine, my COO, basically sits in on all the interviews that I have to do. And why do I do that? Is because I feel that females have a better intuition than men have, and they'll see through any bull that somebody's trying to tell you. So it's, we have a kind of a tag team, Rian. We have a list of questions. And every second question, it'll be from me or from her, whether it's a male or female candidate that we're interviewing. And then we will score them out of five. And then we'll compare the scores afterwards. And, you know, it's it's a really, it's like men is from Mars and women are from Venus, whatever that saying is. Like, sometimes I'm given a five and she's given a one and she's spotted something that I haven't seen and vice versa. So I, I think, I think it, a team interviewing is a really 
good way of negating having a, a nightmare of a hire, but it's not always going to be, you're not always like, I, I don't know if you've heard, I, I hired a sales guy when I was trying to open up in the UK and many, many years ago, he was an ex SAP sales guy. So he had credentials for selling accounting software. And uh, after six months, he hadn't sold anything. So I went over to basically to fire him. He kind of sensed that. And he didn't bring the company laptop. He didn't bring the keys of the office that we'd rented in, in London, in Oxbridge, Oxbridge Road, I think it was. And he didn't bring the keys of the BMW 318i that I'd given him. And it took Jesus. me six months and a private investigator to find the car. Holy moly. And I'd interviewed, <laughs> I'd interviewed him myself. So hands up, like nobody else to blame. <laughs> I can see why you've implemented a process now that can... Hopefully reduce that happening again. Um, yeah. Now, well, having said that, Rian, Catherine's with me 17 years. I have uh, two ladies that are with me in excess of 22 years. Uh, I've support guys with me 10 or 11 years. So um, we have a we have a long standing. Uh, people stay with us a long time. Now, in the last six weeks, we've hired new three new people. So maybe if you come back to me in six months or a year, I might be able to tell you if our process has been successful or not. Congrats on the uh, new hires because that shows that business is going well. Um, yes. What's your personal definition of success? Um, I my personal success definition is making sure that your customer is happy and that you are giving something back to society and you are making half decent uh, wage for yourself. Uh, without going getting too greedy and making sure that your staff are happy and your company is growing on a on a, a regular basis solid two more questions for you mark um what are some of the things that you're focused on over the next 12 to 18 months to achieve that consistent growth i noticed that you recently announced a partnership with square i'm sure you have other partnerships is there accusations not that you'd say if there was, but is there, you know, prospecting into that new accounts, potentially new markets? Give me a, a quick overview of what the next 12 months look like. Yeah, so we're increasing the uh, features and the technology within the product. So uh, this month, we're going to be launching a easy website builder. So not only will it build your website, it'll build an e-commerce platform. But the point of that is because it's integrated, fully integrated with Bigger Cloud. So your whole, the minute you sell something on the, uh, on the web, and your e-commerce site, it'll automatically go into your accounts, and that'll be the first to market. There's no other product in Ireland that does a fully integrated say. product. So that's uh, that's a big thing. We're working on that at the moment. Uh, you're right, the Square integration. We've just uh, we actually got word today, Rian. Actually, the testing is complete with Square, so we're going to beta. So within a week or two, we'll be fully live with that. So that's going to en enhance again the process that our customers have with their customers because it'll have a payment link integrated in the invoice that be sent out to their customers and they just click on it and they can pay. Or if it's a printed invoice, it'll have a QR code where you just scan it and they can pay. Oh, amazing. So that's on the technology side and feature side. Then on the growth side, well, we obviously just took on three new people and their, uh, their roles are obviously to, to grow the business uh, that we have. And, uh, and then we are looking, uh, we did uh, an acquisition fell through during the summer, uh, but we would look to buy a company, hopefully in the UK, probably in the payroll space because accounting and payroll go hand in hand. And if we can get a UK payroll company that doesn't sell accounting software, then we have a, you know, a ready-made set of customers to sell our accounting software to. And then we have a UK payroll as well.
And we'll also, we can, we're continuing our, our research on the Maltese and Cyprus markets um, because they're the highest English speaking countries in the Eurozone. And we kicked off looking at that when we heard Brexit was being announced. So uh, we're still, we're still research, researching over there. I learned something new on each podcast. Um, second last question for you, Mark, is if you were the final decision maker in adding a mandatory subject to the secondary school curriculum, what would it be and why? Entrepreneurship. It's not, it's not on the on the on the curriculum, um, because I think there are uh, there's an awful lot of uh, DNA traits in children, and um, that if uh, they are taught entrepreneurship, we would have way more startups in Ireland, um, with a better grounding and understanding of what's under required uh, to run a business, because a lot of people. Uh, just default to doing they've run you know they've, they've worked as a whatever it might be in their companies and then there's some tipping point in their life it might be redundancy it might be just got annoyed with a new boss and decided to leave and they decide to set up their own business but they are completely green as I was when I set up my business I don't people think that I wasn't and so I think if there's a full grounding on entrepreneurship at leaving cert or you know fourth fifth and sixth year level and um, it gives those people a kickstart for when that tipping point happens in their life or they'll leave college and they'll set up business straight away, which can only be beneficial for the country. Final question, more of a chance for you to give a shout out is I see that you're taking part in Movember this year. I'm assuming there's a link where people can go and click and donate. Is there a, a personal story behind why you're participating or you just want to yeah. grow a beard? Yeah, no, no, no. It's uh, my dad died of cancer, Rian. So um, uh, Movember is raising money much needed funds for men's health, including cancer and cancer research. And with a dad who died of it, obviously I have a passion to try and raise as much as I can. I do it every second year. It embarrasses my daughters. Um, so one of them is going to have to be stuck with me uh, all unshaven for her Debs this week. And then my <laughs> niece is getting married next week and uh, I'm going to be looking pretty rough in the photographs. But, you know, it's all worth it uh, if we can raise the money, uh, much needed. So it's, uh, if you go to Mo and look at Mark Edouard, uh, sorry, Movember, and look at Mark Edouard, I don't know what the link is off the top of my I'll leave a it's, link it, below. That'd be great. That'd be great. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm trying to raise 50. I've, no, I've raised nine and a half grand over the few years that I've done it to date. Wow. So uh, let's try and break the, the 11 or 12 grand uh, this year. Yeah. It'd be great. Awesome. Well, I'll leave a link to that below and both your company website and your personal LinkedIn page. But for today, Mark, been great to spend the last 25 minutes with you um, and I wish you continued success. Ryan, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. Beautiful morning, beautiful sun my